It's incredible the amount of dumb fucking mistakes that we make as gym owners that were so avoidable, so avoidable if you would have just had a little bit more education on the topic versus flying from the seat of your pants or going to some Facebook owners group asking the question or making an assumption based on someone other gym's Instagram that you saw and you're like, I think that's how they do it. I'm going to do it like that. Guys, your business IQ right? You, the intelligence you have around making business decisions and how this industry works is 100% the variable of success in this industry. It is not hard work anymore. You cannot just do hard work. Hard work alone, you're fucked. Now, if you take hard work and you combine it with smart work, that is where the sky is the limit. This is why I created Microgym University back in 2018. I wanted to create an online business school where you guys literally can browse through it like Netflix and look for the topics that are pertinent to you in your business right now. You do not have to follow modules in any certain order or do anything based on a specific system. You're able to go and see the tactics and playbooks that are used by some of the best brands in the fitness industry that I have the luxury of traveling around the country and seeing and interviewing the C. CEOs and know how these pieces come together. And I've gone ahead and put all this information available for you inside of Microgym University and it costs 50 fucking dollars, 50 goddamn dollars per month. And you have access to an unlimited, I think we're up to over a hundred hours of business courses right now. Okay. MGU is the only online business school for Microgym owners. You can get in there in one month, consume all the content, take the notes, download the slides and fucking cancel for all I care. All I want is microgym owners making smarter decisions. Guys, www.microgymuniversity.com. There's also a link in the show notes of this episode. Please invest in yourself, invest in, in your business IQ, and let's start doing hard work smart. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast, the in-place model. So... Uh, I'm getting ready to leave to head out to Seattle. I'm going to go check out Industrious. If you're familiar with Industrious, it is a CrossFit affiliate. They have two corporately owned locations um, in like uh, the SLU, Salt Lake Union, and then uh, anywhere in and around Seattle, right? Those places. I'm not, I'm not overly familiar with the Pacific Northwest, but Stephen hit a uh, very good colleague of mine has opened up two of these corporate locations. He has, he's now franchising his model and he's, um, yeah, he, he's essentially the COVID and the in-place model kind of re just completely evolved his entire business. Uh, Steven is a guy I met originally in like 2017. We both spoke and gave a keynote at uh, the Iron and Mortar Summit and then we were both asked back the following year and then we stayed in contact. And um, anyway, COVID happens. And if you, if you know anything, you know, the PNW, that Pacific Northwest area, downtown Seattle, they got, I mean, they just got their dicks kicked in. Some It was one of the hardest, Seattle, I think, was one of the hardest cities hit um, by COVID due to the culture, the timing, all that kind of shit. Um Here's And so he goes to an in-place model like a lot of you guys did with your gaffers tape on the ground and kind of putting everyone in a box. 
And all along, you guys know my story with the urban movement. I'm assuming most of you guys know. We came up with our in-place model pre-COVID because, well, I like the efficiency and uh, the operational capacity and the additional revenue opportunities that an in-place model provides, very similar to that of a spin studio or yoga studio, right? The more variables you can control with your square footage, the more money you have the opportunity to make, the more efficient your class flows are, all that. It's one of my bigger gripes when uh, a CrossFit affiliate who is in tight quarters, a smaller space, and they just run these kind of, you know, chickens with your head cut off running around, like just, whoa, grab, grab your barbell and kettlebell and rower and pile box and just set up wherever. And there's like no control over it. And it just, it's very inefficient, right? If you got enough space, you don't have to worry about this. But I'd also argue that if you have that much space now, you probably don't need it if you were just more efficient and you could be making thousands and thousands of dollars more per month. I literally just downgraded a gym because we dialed in his operational capacity. His lease was coming up. Uh, he had uh, two years left on his lease. He hires me at around, around a year and a half left. And we go ahead and I, you know, I rewrite the class flow and we talk about his programming model and we created a better unique, unique belief in fitness in him or for his brand that's still aligned with his thing, but we went with an in-place model. So he goes from, I think, 8,000 square feet and now in the new lease, we have him down in 4,200. Literally overnight, well, not overnight, <laughs> but essentially once he goes into this new lease without signing another membership up, at all, he will be pocketing in profit an extra $6,500 per month. Just but like just because that's the cost of his real estate, right? For him to fucking cut in half what he needs due to just being more efficient. And like, well, this is just the way I did it when I was a CrossFitter and how I'm gonna do it. I was like, I want a business, so it's just how I do it. Like being one of those dumb fucks. Yeah, he, he did math. He let me do math for him right? Real simple math, guys. Sixth grade fucking math, but it's there. Anyway, back to Steven and Industrious. So I'm going out there. I'm doing shoot the shit with Steven. So nice long form podcast, but I'm real excited to see this thing in real time. If you didn't listen to my podcast with Steven when I interviewed him, and this is just my regular one hour regular podcast on here, um, go back and listen to that. Go and look that up. It was, it was very insightful. And again, his the model was still in infancy stage. I would argue it still is an infancy stage. His current in-place setup is 169 square feet. is a 13 by 13 square that he calls a halo. Now, this halo contains a single monster rack, like a standalone squat rack, the rogue monster one. It has a air runner. Concept to rower, bike. It has a lifting platform. It has, you know, with the floor space for you to do burpees and double unders. It has a plyo box. It has dumbbells. It has kettlebells. It has med balls. It has uh, rings. It has everything you need right fucking there. When you see all these halos set up with all the equipment, it reminds you of a Division One strength and conditioning facility. Just nice, clean, even rows of equipment. Looks symmetrical from every fucking angle. Members go in, and I, I'm, I don't know if they pick a, like they register for a number of a halo and then they go to that halo or whether just kind of first come, first serve. Um, I will find out. But 
you know, they essentially go to their halo and that's it. They don't have to run around anywhere. Everything's right there. Now, where I saw the opportunity, and I bet I'm curious on it, I cannot remember whether we touched on it on the podcast, is like even then an open gym, right? You can have a great control of open gym. I'm doing a ton of those right now, CrossFit gyms who want to have an open 24-7 open gym access feature. And whether they can do it concurrently with class or not, if we set that aside, one of the hardest things is helping them figure out how much square footage they need. It's, it's, a, it's difficult because open gym is an, you know, the people who use it, it's, ta- it's an unknown amount of square footage. I've got numbers that we can use historically based on the equipment they're gonna have and the type of clientele they have, but otherwise it's pretty tough to know. Not for Steven, not for Industrious. Homeboy's got it nailed down. Everyone's gonna take up one halo because there's no reason to do anything otherwise. Wall balls are there. I'm even sure he's, I think he's even got like plexiglass up against the one side of the rig. If you, you know, want to do your kipping handstand push-ups or whatever the fuck, you know, like wall walks or, or anything you need in that CrossFit space. Now, the downside here is, and I'll be interested to see if he's gotten the cost down. I'm pretty sure he told me the cost of each halo uh, is nine grand, right? So, you know, you got to go ahead and run the math on that based on you know, how many are in there, but I guarantee you at some point here, he could partner with one of the smaller equipment companies and come up with halo packages uh, for his franchisees and get that cost down. But um, anyway, I, so the whole thing, I wanted to set all that up in, you know, with the whole purpose here of talking about um, an in-place model and why I believe that if I, if you own a CrossFit gym or you're opening one up, you should really consider doing this. And if you don't have it, you should really consider retrofitting it. So first off, the main reason obviously is all about the microeconomics, the predictability of being able to figure out your ARPC, average revenue per person per class, understanding the economics of your class cap, why they are where they are. And it makes pricing your model the easiest thing ever. When we know how many people you can fit in per class, like your class cap, right? And your true one, like it's, this is our true class cap, kind of like how Metabolic does it. Metabolic knows 25 people a class, right? That's, that's their class cap. That's the model. They know exactly how much equipment. They know exactly where it needs to be laid out. Like when your programming has such variables that you have all these, well, it depends on the programming. Your, your business model has vulnerabilities in my opinion. Okay. Now you can still know exactly your class cap and you know, and have variety in your programming. That's my, the issue isn't the programming. The programming is when, or my issue is when your class caps vary based on what you wanna do. Or you do that thing where you don't really have the enough equipment to do this workout, but you really want to because it's cool. This is gonna be a dope workout. I wanna do this one. And it's just a clusterfuck. It runs over. People don't get a great experience, all that. But because you wanna like, you're trying to stretch beyond what you can viably do within your 60-minute class window, right? So um, retrofitting or opening up a gym in it with an in-place model not only provides well for the microeconomics of the whole thing, it's also on the sales side. And if you're like, well, how is this selling? Number one, it's going to look different, right? Um, number two, again, and why does it look different? Read Seth Godin's Purple Cow, right? 
Anything that looks different attracts eyeballs. Marty Neuermeyer, one of the godfathers of brandy. Like Seth Godin. Um, oh, fuck. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Gino Wickman even talked about this. Like, when things look different, you cycle Brian Tracy, sales, like one of the sales gurus of the world. Like, when things look different and someone's brain has to process it, like, oh, what's that? And there's curiosity you are in a very good position. Now, if someone's brain has to work too hard to process it and they get confused, that becomes a different story. But that's why, you know, if you're a guy like, you know, what Steven did, he created that in-place model. They were called halos. He's branded it well. He's able to explain you have 169 square feet and you have all this equipment there. Like, it looks neat and organized because everything looks symmetrical. Like Urban Movement when we did it. It was very simple. You walked out on the floor and we didn't have all the equipment there. We had people go get the equipment and bring it out to the spot but we also had far less equipment uh, than a CrossFit model. But it's still like people could walk out onto our floor and look at the, the squares with the numbers on them and be like, so you, you know, we register for class based on the square, blah, 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 blah. And it made sense. So there is an, uh, an increase, I believe, in potential for sales when the story you tell makes sense. I think it's one of the things Orange Theory did so well in early 2014 to make such a splash and be so successful early on. You explain, well, we start here on the treadmills and then you'll rotate over here to this row of the, the rowers and then you'll rotate over here to our weight room area for resistance training. And then when someone would watch that class and they saw this like clean orchestrated class flow, they in their head they were able to say, oh, that's what they do here. I can see myself doing that versus your kettlebell thruster pull-up burpee box jump rowing and run workout where everyone's at a different station at a different time doing a different thing and people are like, this looks fucking chaotic. I wouldn't know where to go next. I would like, this looks crazy. And that's exactly what it does look like. So that lack of chaos that comes with an in-place model will also help on the sales side, right? So number one, we talked about it's, you know, on the financial side, the microeconomic side, we have, you know, positives. The sales side, we have positives. I'm going to now go to the the side of the the basic the open gym that like that extra additional service. The nice thing is is that if you ran a gym like this, okay? Where let's say you had 25 halos, okay? And I'm going to do mathematics not in my head cuz I'm not that fucking smart, but on a calculadora. All right. So on the calculator here, let's say we did Stephen Hitt's model, right? 169 square feet, 13 by 13. And let's say he was going to have 25 halos. He would need a 4,200 or 4,300 square foot building. Okay? Pretty good. Okay? Pretty good. Now, now that's just for the spaces. Now he needs like, you know, 500 square feet uh, for front desk, reception, and an office and about 500 square feet for a couple bathrooms, right? But, you know, maybe even less than that, maybe like 200 square feet for a couple bathrooms. So let's just stick with, uh, let's say 45, uh, no, 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 let's go, let's go 5,000 square feet just to fucking cover all the bases. 5,000 square feet with everything in it, storage, offices, bathrooms, front desk, the whole deal. 5,000 square feet. And you have a class cap of 25, well, what happens if someone comes in 
and they're like, hey, you know, I, uh, you know, I want, I don't want to do today's workout, but I want to come in and work out at 6 p.m. when the 6 p.m. class is in there. Well, typically, if your gym's not big enough and it's, you know, you cannot run concurrent open gym and group class, this could become problematic. That's why a lot of gyms are, you know, they're installing open gym, but it's like, well, you can only use it when class isn't in session, which is fine. It's just, you're only going to really be able to, you know, sell that to a a small amount of people because most people are going to need to come when it's fucking prime time. Why? Because that's when it's fucking popular, when most people are available. But imagine this. Imagine if you had a model in which you had all these in place, you know, these, this in place model, all the equipment's there, like Stevens, what he's got in Industrious. And it was like, hey, you know, even if you want to come in and you've got like your own workout or something you want to do, you can do that. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So there's going to be somebody in a halo or a spot next to me that's doing their own thing? That's not cool. I, I would argue the other way. I'd argue why. What is wrong with that person choosing to do a different workout? He's not impeding on your space anymore. He's not impeding on the equipment, right? He's just there. That's the problem with open gym happening concurrently. It's people taking up too much space, them doing things that are distracting to the rest of the class. Well, if everyone has their own dedicated space, their own dedicated equipment, I believe probably the risk of that is low. Now, again, if you're a CrossFit gym and you know everybody, you know the workout of the day is all body weight type shit, and you've got someone in the corner dropping a barbell every 30 seconds doing some kind of you know CP battery work. Yeah, I, that could be a problem. And this is where, like, it's a half-cooked thought. But if you had this in-place model, I think it also would give people and give you and your programming the autonomy to let people do more of the, their own thing. Because it's all right there. The hard thing when you're trying to scale a group class, I don't care if you've got your CrossFit level 13 fucking, I don't give a fuck. I don't care how good you are. Scaling... 15 to 25 plus people, you know, all in their own merit is a difficult thing to do, right? It takes a lot of practice and skill work and you need space and equipment and all that, you know, you guys all know how it goes. You know, you're wanting to, uh, <laughs> you have box jumps in the workout, but you also have deficit push ups or some kind of push up. Well, you know, Sally is now able to maybe do some incline push-ups off her box, which is a good scale for her. But what if those boxes were being used for something else and she couldn't use it? You know how this goes. Like if there's a, a limitation of equipment that makes it hard for you to modify. I've seen gyms like, oh, for ring for pull-ups, we do ring rows. I'm like, yeah, but what happens when you have pull-ups and dips on the same day and all your rings are taken up? Yeah, so on those days we would, uh, again, limitations of equipment create inconsistent group class experiences, which create shitty client experiences, right? That's what it is, okay? So in this model, I think when you have everything and you're never short on the resource that is space and equipment, you now could have more leeway with programming. Like at Urban, we started off the programming model every day. There was a strength or conditioning option. Similar workouts, one just had less weight, higher reps. That's all. That's all it was based on what the client wanted to do that day. We don't give a fuck. What do you want to do? You're paying, right? I've got, I got recipes up here, homie. Pick one. What do you, it's a menu. 
right? Instead of this idea of like, everyone has to do the thing that I wrote because I'm a fucking coach. I, I wrote a program. Just fucking do it. Like, I, uh, I hate that shit. Just hate that. No, I want for the community. It's going to help for the community if we all do the same workout together. You are a dumb twat. That is the dumbest shit I've ever fucking heard. You're telling me the community is based on doing the same exact workout together? No, you fuck. Like, just do some basic, just basic understanding of how humans convene in spaces and what happens psychologically and socially. All The only thing that creates community is that you're all there at the same time, in the same place, with a similar intent. That's how community is created. You know, similar people in a, in a similar, in like in the same geographical location with a similar intent. That's it. Right? Like a neighborhood, right? A bunch of friends of the neighborhood. They all live there. They all have lives that involve owning homes. Maybe they have kids, but they're all just people trying to get through life and they see each other. That it creates a community, right? That's just how things happen. A bar on any given Sunday during NFL season, same place, similar intent, rooting on a home team. You know, whatever it may be. Like, it's very basic. So, like, when I hear gym owners like, oh, but it do, they all do the workout together. Like, but it has to be the same workout. We can't have people doing special workouts. Why not? Why can't they do their own fucking workout? What if your workout, like, if you know, if, if you had Steven's model and it's like, yeah, I don't like running on the runner. I'm going to use the bike. I don't want to push vertically. I want to push horizontally. I don't want to do 30 squats. I'd rather do you know, three or 10 sets of three heavy. Like, why can't they do that? I think in this kind of a model, it gives you the ability to allow that at scale. Because I can see how where if you're doing the old school, old school is one big ass rig running down your wall or in the middle of your gym if you're an idiot. No, if I listen, I know there's a lot of gyms that have center rigs. Fuck, the incredible gym I go to has a rig going down the center. It's not that I think it, you're an idiot for doing that. It's just, it's one of the worst utilization of square footage possible is to put a freestanding rig in the middle of the floor. You literally just chewed up the most valuable square footage in the building with something that is done in place. Everyone realize that? A pull-up rig is designed for you to perform in-place exercises. Like a... Toes to bar, pull-ups. Those are all done attached to the rig. You don't go anywhere. You stay there till it's done. Back squats or any kind of you know lifting out of the squat rack. You stay there until it's done. It's in place during that period of time. So you took an in-place thing, which you could have put anywhere. You could have gone a wall-mounted rig, you could have gone, you know, individual rig, whatever it may be. And you can put it off on the perimeter on the side and open up the middle of the floor for the things that aren't in place. You know, jumping and bounding and, uh, you know, lunging, like, you know, sleds and all kinds of things that are not in place. Okay. Anyway, side rant, side rant over. Um, but no, I just, I feel like this would give you the opportunity to program or allow for variety in your programming based on what the client wants because it wouldn't distract people as much. And the reason I was going with that rig example, like I know what it's like when you guys have your rig and everyone's doing, you know, strict presses out of the rig. And then someone who has overhead range of motion issues might be down doing a landmine press or a bench press. 
it could, you know, that's a little bit more distracting because you're, you know, everyone's lined up in a line. You can clearly see someone's doing something different versus when you have all your own space. It's kind of like, this is my place for me to get creative and come up with the workout I want to. Under the guise of my coaches and the guidance they have, you know, they put the workout of the day up. I love it, but I might want to tweak this or that. Because again, the longer you have a client, the more educated they get, or at least they should be getting more educated. The more educated they get, the more of an opinion they will have as to their fitness workouts and what is being written for them. And at some point, they eventually get so fucking educated, they can, with a good argument, tell you why or why not they don't think that workout that you wrote is what they need or what they want, right? Now, a lot of times these clients are fucking morons and they couldn't, you know, they really have no logical idea as to why your workout isn't, you know, why they want to do it except for I saw someone else do it or I just saw this on Instagram or I just don't want to, right? But that last one, go for it, man. I mean, any of those. You don't want to, do you want to do something simple, you know, we're doing bent over pendulum rows and you don't want to, you'd rather go ahead and do fucking, um, you know, I don't care, something else, power clean, I like anything. Like, okay, as long as you know how to do it, that's my job. My job's here to make sure that you move well. Not to like put you in fucking, um, you know, movement Auschwitz. Fucking send you to the gas chamber if you fucking, you deviate from my movement prescriptions, right? Like there's, there's none of that. Like I believe in this more like very, uh, let them create the workout they want. They're the paying customer. It's like going to Chipotle and I'd be like, Hey, can I get a, a double wrap burrito? Yeah. I fucking just said that a double wrap. That's two flour wraps, bitches. All right. Daddy needs his carbs. I run a lot now. Um, yeah, if I get two of those, they're like, yeah, no, we only do one. We, you know, I, I, we only believe our burritos should be wrapped one time. To wrap them twice is sacrilege. But, bro, I'm paying for it, even though I don't think they actually charge me for two tortillas. Though they should. They fucking should, idiots. Um, but, yeah, it's like if I couldn't make my own goddamn meal at Chipotle. It's like, nah, only the ones that are up there on the menu. You only pick from that. You can't customize it. That's what it is. Like, name one thing today you can't really customize. I literally ordered a shirt. Um, this Instagram brand. What the fuck is the name of these shirts? Liberties and State or State and Liberty. I don't know. It's it sounded so patriotic to me. I was like, fuck this. But then it was just like really. It's like uh, like nice clothes, like athletically fit, like tailored looking clothes for men. Essentially, I guess is what I'd call it. Um, I hate the fucking name though. Not that I'm not a patriot. I'm just not really... Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not. I don't know. Uh, but the whole fucking thing was... The cool thing about him was like, yeah, if it doesn't fit you right, send it back to us and we have alteration specialists. We can get, you know, obviously customize it for you. Or take it to your, you know, tailor or whatever. Like, it's like you can customize anything. Right? Fucking, you seen Geico commercials, motherfucker? You can customize anything. But not fitness. Not like anyway. I'm I'm done with my rant. I'm done. This podcast was over five minutes ago. Um, okay, so check out uh, or keep go check out that podcast with Stephen if you haven't already. Uh, keep an eye out for the shoot to shit that'll probably drop a month from now once I'm done with it. Um, and in the meantime, if you got questions about an in place model or you ever want to get on a call to discuss, you know, creating a model to you know you want to downsize your square footage but you're not sure how you could do so and still run your unique belief in fitness or want to make changes to it. Holler at your boy. Until then, guys, I will uh, talk to you in the next podcast.